stage. We are clear. Stand by. Stage reset at house lights. Thanks, team, for another great show. I'll see you all backstage. This is Designed to Change Backstage Conversations. backstage area uh, remember that feeling when the curtains closed and the backstage calls went and those those types of moments in the past do you remember those yes i've i've always wanted to be uh, on the speaking circuit that's not been a very popular thing in india right and i have not i've only traveled uh, overseas not actually gone on the sp speaking circuit uh, for for a, for the longest time i felt that you know making money out of just speaking of uh, just talking doesn't make much sense to me you might as well be a person who walks his talk but then today i vicariously thanks to you i've actually lived the moment of you know going going on stage and going backstage and, and getting the whole feel feel of the thing yeah good fun what's what 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 everybody obviously knows is that we're still in the same zoom call and that we're still with the same microphones in the same spaces each of us uh yet um um, we can, we can, the mind has a power of imagination, right? We can imagine certain things just through audio, uh, which is a very uh, powerful mechanism that we can play with when we design uh, experiences, right? And you were mentioning that before, where, you know, every event is in fact an experience. It's the question of, you know, how do you make the experience something you remember? And how do you own that specific experience? How are you conscious about being in that moment and, uh, and living it? Uh, you also, uh, we also talked a little bit about your experience where you had, uh, you know, this drum circle where at some point the group found its cadence and it was actually a very powerful experience where at the first, at first you thought nothing of the whole thing and you were like, this is going to be a complete waste of time. Yet something happened there that turned into time well invested because you, you remembered the experience. How, how does that happen? Do you so, um. From the time we become conscious, I, I have this feeling and I go back in time these days a lot. And I, I, I have this, um, let's call, call it the word, uh, let's use the word knowing. That before I became conscious of the world around me, where I, where, you know, I started using language to communicate. I'm, I'm talking about when I was probably three and a half or four years old. That's the time when you start becoming conscious. So, what kind of ends up happening is that you start depending a lot on your external senses, the, the senses that may make you process the external world. And then there's lots of conditioning that comes in and many of the things that you, uh, that are part of your, part of your being, you forget. Right. And you just keep going through the motions of life because you've got milestones that are set by yourself and by other people. And these it becomes a kind of a race against time and and you enter every event with that kind of baggage in your head all the time because you're you've got expectations you've got assumptions you've got biases you know so you really don't savor the moment so for example when you and i are talking it's very very difficult it's a difficult practice for me to be actually listening to your question number one processing that uh, information in my head to understand where you're coming from. I'm not focusing on the question. I'm trying to fo focus on 
what is rude asking and why is he asking this question right i'm trying to process that at the same time for hmm. which i need to be terribly terribly present i cannot be processing it in my head so i often tell people that when i'm listening to somebody there there are often times that you can you're very aware of the fact that you are actually not listening to the other person you're listening to your own mind because your mind is already talking about oh how do i answer this question where is it so you may have noticed that even when you ask me a question i i have to pause because i i need to process it i need to need to understand have i understood this question do i need to rephrase do i need to ask rude again and with this background what i think happened in the drum circle was this that that dehypnotization or unconditioning happens in the first part because you've got, you've got in thinking hey you know what i've paid for this you're starting to look at your watch that okay it's it's 12 o'clock right now when is this going to get over i don't know how to play the drums i'm not going to make a fool of myself there's all these things that are there with you at that point of time right and without you realizing it you're also looking around the circle to see how everybody else is feeling and you can see on their faces that at different degrees they all like you you know someone's got higher expectations someone's got lower expectations and then this then this instrument starts picking up i mean different sounds and you are saying this is cacophony i i've got a musical ear this is not percussion there's no rhythm these instruments are not tuned to each other these this is not symphony okay so you go through that part and it's almost like a prisoner because the guy that's actually the ringmaster of this is actually saying go on with this go on with this yeah someone pick it up yeah and then you see suddenly that some guy picks it up he does one and then he keeps quiet and then everybody is just kind of waiting for the next thing to happen and doesn't come right right mm-hmm. and then suddenly somebody picks it up maybe it's the facilitator maybe it's somebody else who picks up something and starts another rhythm yeah. and so what i think really happens is that this deconditioning happens at a limbic level it doesn't happen in the prefrontal cortex yeah. it happens in the being of every person in that room so people who can't handle it would be much better off getting up and walking away than sit there and uh, go through the torture but nobody does you know because that's also conditioning but oh, after a certain point you tip over to a stage where none of this matters to you right you're just now in the moment listening to that you're not judging it that it needs to have rhythm you're not judging it for musical quality you're not judging anything you've suddenly started flowing in the moment and you you actually touch the the supreme for at least a moment during that time that's why it's such a highly uh, spiritual experience i think yeah. this is my interpretation i don't know i mean if it's making any sense to you but i think that's my interpretation oh, as a <clears throat> as a musician i i fully uh, feel what you're describing um and i'm also wondering um because it it makes me ambiguous when i hear you uh relate to the prefrontal cortex and the limbic system and how they react to these things um um and let me give you an example um here in basel in switzerland there's such a thing called the carnival or something called the morgenstreich which is a very old tradition from uh probably 2 300 years ago which is not old probably in indian terms right but it's fairly old for swiss terms because this country has been in existence for 700 plus years um and what happens at 4 o'clock in the morning people assemble um uh on the monday morning at 4 4 a.m. in the morning um they assemble wearing masks and bringing piccolos and drums <clears throat> 
and across the city at four o'clock the lights shut down and one person shouts Morgenstreich and as a result they start playing this one song with very high-pitched piccolos and a certain drum rhythm and across the city thousands of people do the same thing and there's spectators and there's musicians now the orchestration here is not in place because people walk across the city as they're playing a similar song but it's it's a it's it's a similar VUCA experience where it's very dissonant and it, it it's painful to the ear right to the degree where you want it to stop or you just go with it right it's a little bit spooky they're all wearing masks and it's kind of a really weird experience but it's highly structured because they they go on as long as they reach a moment where across the city this tune reaches the same cadence and the same the same um, rhythm and the, so it's it's played at different speeds different you know different places but across the echoes of the city once once it it's unisonon everybody feels and hears that moment right and that is absolute magic when that happens yes, yes, right yes, yes. and people have not had that for two years and you know here that is like that's like a major upheaval because people haven't had that sensation for a long time right so it almost sounds like it's not by accident that thousands of people you know travel yeah. on trams with weird masks and piccolos and drums to one yeah. place in a city yeah. to actually live this experience every single year right for Morgenstreich during Fasnacht during the carnival and that's a tradition for ages and ages and ages and and this is part of the fascination I have with larger scale events as well uh, another example let me give you this one is uh, there's, an, there's an event here called the Fête des Vignerons. It's the winemaker's feast. And they celebrate the best craftsman in the vineyard that prunes, you know, the, the vine tree. So <clears throat> the idea behind this is that you celebrate the craftsman's craft. And there's a gold crown being given to one of these craftsmen. But it only happens once in a generation. Wow. So this event has goes on once every 20 to 20 to, it's not an exact rhythm, but there's a cadence in which this celebration happens. And it is a huge feast for, you know, it takes three, four, you know, three, four weeks, thousands of performers to celebrate, you know, the skill set of one or, you know, a number of human beings who do it to, to the best of their ability. And so, you know, with, with, with uh, culture and events being so kind of intertwined, uh, whether it be a family dinner, you know, a, a tradition that you might have on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or multiple daily basis, uh, to orchestrated kind of gatherings that people ritualize to get together in certain ways. This might be around a certain professional common care topic, right? The way we gathered around visual thinking and, you know, visual collaboration and how do executives deal with that, which is quite technical maybe or quite, you know, business specific. All the way through to your example of you know a drum circle there is kind of a coding that we as humans kind of uh, strive for or i don't know we 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 um we crave them because we notice that we miss them when they don't take place right and we've just come out of a two-year or we're just we're still in the middle of a, you know the the end of phase one of the pandemic situation um where the lack of having these types of physical events where the interaction has been mostly digital, somehow our human system feels there's a lack of that, 
you know, the way you were mentioning it. Maybe the next one, next time we meet, will be, you know, in, the, in Nepal on top of a mountain or by Lake Geneva. We have that human desire to connect and get together, right? Which is so, why, if you go back to back to uh, the old topic of yoga and AI, right? Hmm. And so I was listening to a talk the other day where where uh, and it made sense at an intuitive level. It doesn't make sense at a rational level, right? It says that uh, we depend only on our four five senses of uh, perception. That is the physical senses: taste, touch, smell, sight, and hearing and our five senses of action. But if you look at the yogic uh, model and you go back to the, the, uh, the, the ancient Indian scriptures, they talk about senses that uh, if, if you were to you know, uh, understand that there are senses beyond the ones that go outward and there are similar kinds of senses that you have actually every human being, every human being has by the way, right? On the internal side, right? The communication of those senses is very different, which is why you talk about ESP, you talk about telepathy, you talk about sixth sense, which is everything that we feel intuitively. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I've been really, really uh, focusing on and trying to figure out a way to do this, and it kind of sounds like sort of a paradox, is how do you use intuition as, uh, as a tool for design, right? We keep using everything else, but you don't use intuition. And because everyone thinks that intuition also has the same language that you've got used to, which is the language that we use to actually communicate in the external world. But what if intuition has a completely different language? And what if you could get in touch with something like that using yogic practices? Yoga, I don't mean only the, the physical stretching and keeping yourself, your physical body fit, but going beyond that. So what if there are these other senses that exist? And if, if you were to get in touch with them, that actually goes back, loose back to your earlier question during the on stage, not on stage, I think before that. Mm -hmm. No, on stage. On on how do you how do you, how does one go uh, up the breakthrough path of the bi uh, from the bifurcation? Mm -hmm. And we keep looking at something external to make that happen. The answer to that typically is it's actually getting the individual empowered enough and to become less lazy in taking responsibility so that then the collective can move forward rather than the other way around. You know that I've got the government and I've got a company and I've got this and I've got that. You're expecting the collective to take care of your well-being, whereas what you should be doing is at an individual level, figuring out how you can do the best you can and then hope that the collective will actually have a similar kind of uh, ethos around it. That sounds like a, like a way to bypass that bifurcation or lead down the other path you yes. know, comes comes from something um, much less from the outside, but something that needs to come from the inside. Okay. And we need to be trained for that. You know, basically, at least, first of all, we need to accept that there's something like that. Yeah. And then we need to be open to the fact that we, we need some level of training there. I mean, we are all ready to pay uh, top dollars to go to the nearby gym, right? But we just don't want to have some training about getting in touch with ourselves and meditating for 20 minutes a day. Meditating doesn't mean just keeping uh, your mind away, right? Meditating means being present in the moment and actually soaking in what exists so that you can experience the life that you've got one time in your entire physical lifetime. And the way to, to awaken that, I mean, I, something that triggered me when you were talking about that is that idea of, you know, 
you apply systems thinking and you are you you think about or you talk about design thinking but also about connecting it to this topic which are two topics that are seemingly unconnectable right Connected. technology yeah. and you know uh, yogi thinking how do the how do the languages merge or how do you put something that sounds so hard with something that's that is so soft and make them make them click right um uh, it, so that's it, where I actually talked about it. I, I'll just take you back to the conversation I had with Irvin Laszlo, mm -hmm. where I felt that design could be the connector between the two. So you need a bridge because you're absolutely right. One is something which is very hard, very logical, very tangible, very measurable to something that's completely different, right? And I believe that design actually has both these components coming together. It has the, the left brain, right brain coming together, intuition, logic coming together. Which is why the responsibility on design and designers is far more than what people uh, uh, give it. Right? We all we've, we've demoted it to the level of a profession. Like Raymond Loewy famously said, right? Design is too important to be left to designers, which I think is really true. <laughs> design is too important to be left to designers. I think non-designers are probably the best designers, uh, or people that don't Correct. necessarily Correct. acknowledge or or label themselves as such, right? Which, Correct. which is fascinating. It's also a bit of a paradox because we provide, you know, from our end, we we try to um, enable people to be able to facilitate design. But the most powerful designs come out of situations where someone facilitates other people to design without them being conscious that they're applying design thinking. Absolutely. The less you know about the process or the less you know about what needs to yes. happen, yes. the more you make that seem intuitive and uh, not so much logical, right? Right, right? And it's so hard. One of the hardest things for us is people get so enthusiastic about process that they end up wanting to share. Oh, but here's how I do it. That's not the point. Right? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> it's about how do you orchestrate Yes. The prefrontal cortexes and the yes. limbic system of seven other people that are very yes. diverse in their thinking in yes. order to create a, a better, clearer picture right. of the now here, nowhere future right. <laughs> that you can, can you know, orchestrate or have in some way um, contribute to what, what you're intending um, um, to have as a, as a good way of spending time for those people that get together. Um, uh, on that note, um, um, thank you for a fascinating conversation, uh, Sunil. Um, um, I think the fact that we've only met online and that the idea farms that you've seeded in the brains of our uh, auditors and our listeners um, um, hopefully spark their thinking and lead them to, um, uh, to look more on the inside, on their intuition side of things. Um, where can people reach out to you and connect to you if they want to learn more about some of the links that you've mentioned in your conversations with uh, with Laszlo, but also in conversations that you are having and, and some of the mind sharing that you're doing? I, I, I like it a lot on LinkedIn and on different places that I read your articles. Where can people reach you? They can reach me anywhere. They just, just need to want to reach me bad enough. So I'm, I'm available on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you need to look for Sunil Malhotra, the guy with long hair. I think I have two profiles, so sometimes people get confused with that. So you, you should look for a, maybe um, uh, you can put the link of the one of my LinkedIn thing into the podcast. We will I'm on Twitter. I am on Twitter as well. I'm quite quite a social media junkie. Um, my 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 appearance belies the fact that I am a youngster. So. so. 
so I'm on Twitter. My handle is Sunil Malhotra. Just Sunil Malhotra as it is. Uh, these are the two places where you find me hanging around. These pertain to the design to change horizon that we spoke about. You're right, I didn't spin the wheel in the onstage part, which I had seated in your brain as an option. And you're probably wondering why that didn't happen, because the loose frame of our conversation, I think, uh, led down the correct path of serendipity. Um, I was being more no, intuitive. I, I, I really didn't. I mean, now you reminded me, so I remember that I saw the wheel. <laughs> it just shows that I walk my talk. You know, I'm always present. So I was always now here and not wondering about what's the next step. I didn't, didn't, didn't worry about that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And <clears throat> we're going to be catching up again next year. And again, this is no motive to have to wait for another year until we have a next conversation. We, we'd love to have these conversations more frequently. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast today, Sunil, and look forward to connecting soon again. You're welcome. Thanks for dragging me out of my rabbit hole. <laughs> Excellent. You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag Design to Change and hashtag Event Canvas. Want more thought-provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune into our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation. <laughs>